Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Tugra from the Soccer Fives. There's about to be a walking soccer competition, which we'll find out all about in just a few moments with our great mate, the Bald Badger, a.k.a. Mick Morley. Uh, we missed last week. There was a problem with our technician, Josh Kind, and thankfully everything is okay. And uh, it's great to be back on the air alongside me, the guru, Gary Birkinshaw. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Steve. How are you this fine, sunny morning here on the Central Coast? Oh, look, I'm fantastic. Uh, before we go any further, shout out to my son, Corey, celebrating his 23rd birthday. Can you believe that? Uh, so he's my best mate. We've had so many priceless memories over the years. Uh, as you guys know, he's, he's an outstanding athlete in his own right. And uh, I hope he has a cracker of a day with all his family and friends. Yeah, 23. Happy birthday, Corey. Tell you what, Steve, he's put a, put a fair bit into those 23 years. You know, travelled the world, got to experience college life in America. And as you said, he's, he's a very, very excellent sportsman in his own right. So happy birthday, Corey. Hope you have a great day. Yeah, and probably the other words I'd add, extremely humble, unlike his old man. Well, yeah, you've got to share that across the family, and uh, Stephen, look, you know, he, he probably doesn't he probably doesn't get the opportunity to take the spotlight, I suppose, you know, with all your stories of you know, reminiscing and that, but no, no, look, fantastic. It's it's really pleasing as a father to, have to bring up a, a son who's certainly, um, you know, like you said, he's your best friend, but then he's certainly achieving so much in life, so well done. Lucky he takes after his beautiful mum, Sharon. Uh, Butes, by the way, I think he's celebrating with some mates. It might be a Bucks weekend in Sydney. I think that's the gist of what the text said. So, uh, Butte's away this weekend, but uh, really looking forward to this morning's show. About to go live to Tony Clark. Last night, I mean, it was a bit of a letdown what happened in the Queensland capital. Melbourne have flogged Brisbane in both the NRL and the AFL, but I guess I want to start with Tony Clark talking about the Penrith Panthers. With three rounds remaining, they have won the minor premiership, which is just astounding uh, in the modern game. Let's go live to TC right now. Good morning, Tony. How are you doing? Yeah, g'day, Steve. G'day, Gary. Beautiful morning here at uh, Terrigal, and I can imagine the same at Yeah, TC, let's start with the Panthers winning the minor premiership, and at one stage they were staring down the barrel of a South Sydney win, and then that final play, Liam Martin, uh, great work out of acting Hup. I think it was Apisai Kurosau, and sensational try to seal the deal. Oh, just a great game of footy, Steve. I want it, you know, like South, um, as we know, are a, a championship team. But for, for Penrith to show the uh, composure, you know, without their uh, without their halves, was uh, was, was a, a great a great sign for me for, for things to come. And, uh, and congratulations to them. I mean, they have been the benchmark all year. I think they're um, uh, what are they? They're six points clear on top of the comp. So. I think that's testament to the season they had, and um, it's going to take a good one to beat them, um, you know, come, come playoff time. Yeah, it is amazing when you consider that they've had players out through the origin period. Now they've got both their halves out, TC. So, you know, really, 
The six and the seven the other night did a superb job, and I was just saying to the guru off the air that at one stage they could have gone ahead 18 to four. So give us your analysis of where you think South Sydney are at. Oh, yeah, tough, yeah, tough one, Steve. I, I, I think the thing that, um, that hurts the Rabbitohs is their middle first defence. I, I, I think, yeah, if, if you're going to have a weakness, I, I, I think that's it. And I think that Penrith, um, that's what I love about Ivan, Ivan's coaching and, and the way that Penrith play. They can, they can adjust on the go. And, uh, and I think when they start to make the inroads, um, you know, through the middle, that, that, that's when give, when it gave um, you know their, their outside backs a bit more room. But uh, no, South, South are in the they're, they're, they're in the comp um, right up to their ears. I mean, they're uh, you know you, you, the way Cody Walker's playing, the way Latrell's playing. Like Latrell's on a, a, a Jared Hayne run, isn't he? For 2009 for the Eels, you know. So no, I, I, I wouldn't be. I mean, they'd be disappointed, the Rabbits, but but I'm pretty sure that um, you know there'll be, there'll be a rematch somewhere in that final series. Yeah, TC, uh, Gary here, mate. Um, mate, just want to just bring up the the form of Dylan Edwards for the Panthers at the moment. I reckon now that Clear and Lui have been out of the game, I reckon he's taken his game to another level. And I think we're now really getting a chance to experience the ability, how important he is to that team. And he's bought now he's using ball playing ability too, and everything like that. And you know he's really stepped up as a real leader for the club now. Oh, he definitely has, guys. He's uh, he, he's an unsung hero, isn't he? You know, he, he's very unheralded. Probably getting some raps now that he that he thoroughly deserves. But uh, yeah, his importance to the team is, uh, and I think you know we've only got to think back, you know, twelve months ago when he had the foot injury, how hard they worked to get him, um, you know, to get him ready for the finals. And, and yeah, you saw on uh, on Thursday night just um, uh, you know what an important cog he, he is in the in the wheel of, uh, of the Penrith Panthers. TC, last night, so Melbourne a week ago, they keep Penrith scoreless. So defensively, Melbourne get their house in order. Then last night, they roll up to the Queensland capital and blow Brisbane off the field, 60 points to 12. What about moving the giant Nelson Osofa Solomona to the right edge, where he was just unstoppable last night? So give us your thoughts on the Melbourne Storm and their run to September. <laughs> Steve, I like I mean, I think it was only three weeks ago we, we may have been, you know, we didn't write them off, but uh, we were certainly saying that they had a, a, a huge job ahead of them. And now, I, I couldn't believe last night um, in, in, in their belief, in their processes. As you said, the little switch with a big fella out uh, on an edge. Um, and, and just the way, like Harry Grant, what a masterclass. You know, they're, uh, they're an amazing team. And uh, I, uh, I stood and stood and applauded them um, last night, um, you know, in, in because there was no, uh, probably the thing I, 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 I admired a lot too, the, the killer instinct, there was no taking the, the foot off the throat, you know, she was she was played for the whole 80 minutes and um, and again, you know, with the, when they're in that mindset, um, you know, who knows where they could end up. Yeah, you're right there, TC. I think we all agreed. You know, as I said, three weeks ago we were talking Melbourne off, but what a great coach Bellamy is. He's just got them time to perfection. And where do where do you reckon that now leaves the Broncos, TC? Yeah, you know, they you know, they've been talked up pretty well, and I thought it was a smoky's chance. And every now and again, though, they come in with a performance like this. Where do you see them going in the race towards the finals and in the finals? Yeah, I guess I think with it, and I think I may stand corrected, but I think they got the uh, I think they got the raid at Parramatta next week. Sorry, so uh, you know it's a, it doesn't get the easier form. I, I believe they've had, you know, they, they can take a lot. Of, 
I, I could see them dropping out of the eight because I think the Roosters will beat the Tigers today. Um, the Broncos will go to eight, and then they've got the Raiders are playing Newcastle. So, you know, they're going to be two points behind there. So they're, they're a big chance of dropping out of the eight. But in saying that, they're still a very, very young team. I mean, they've put, put Adam Reynolds in there, who's been a revelation for them. But, you know, it, 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 they finish eighth or they finish ninth. So I, I still believe... You know, there's plenty of building blocks there uh, for the future. Well, that becomes a massive game, that Canberra versus Newcastle game, because that keeps Canberra's season alive if they can get the job done. I just want to talk to TC about the Cowboys versus the Warriors. I was at Mingara Gym last night about to jump on the treadmill and I saw the minute silence for Paul Green up in Townsville. And I thought when the boys broke from their huddle, I actually thought a few of them might just drop to the ground. That's one of the most emotional, and the volume was down. That's one of the most emotional scenes I've ever seen. And they had the camera on Jason Taumalolo, Cohen Hess, and I just thought, wow, if they're ever going to put in a performance, it's going to be tonight. And they've just blown away a very poor Warriors. Your thoughts? Oh, yes, it was, it was uh, um, such an emotional night for them. And, and then for the... For the um, supporters, or you know, the fans in the in the um, in the stand to, to you know a standing O in the 15 minute to, to honour Greenies, you know, Cowboys 2015 premiership, you know, it's uh, and and it was unscripted, you know, so it's uh, yeah, they're a good joint. Excuse me, playing some Scotty Drinkwater, local Terry, little lad, you know, I mean, I love the family as you know, and uh, what about the flick pass, you know, for uh, for I think Hess ended up scoring, uh, sorry, Hickey ended up scoring the try, but. Geez, they're a great team to watch, and uh, and and again, you know, they're, uh, you know, probably a little hiccup last week against the Roosters, but uh, you know, sitting pretty in second spot, and uh, and yeah, I uh, I just, as I said, I just love watching them play, and again, how uh, how well Todd Payton, um, you know, has them has them playing. I'm glad, uh, Steve, you mentioned about the, the Paul Green ceremony last night because it was very emotional. Because I think a week earlier when they played the Roosters, I don't think they handled that very well. They had a very, you know, they were in Sydney when it actually all happened, the, the passing of Paul. I don't think they, they were in the mentally right space against the Roosters and, and, against the Roosters, and, and they copped their, their touch-up because of it. And so their response last night was excellent. But talk about the Roosters. We spoke about the Storm. Is there any other side in the competition who, who's timing their run as good as what the Roosters is? And TC, just the addition of Matt Lodge to the to the front row for the Roosters certainly gives them that double punch now with with Maria Hargraves. Oh, it does, Gavin. It's uh, that's the best example I was talking about it during the week. That's the greatest example of this uh, of a strong senior leadership group amongst the players that have brought Matt. You know, we all know that Matt's had his, his issues where you know where he's been and, and what he's done, but but with with the leadership shown at the Roosters, he's just fitted in perfectly. And he, he, I, I haven't seen him play. Played this well, you know, since he's, you know, going back probably four or five years, and uh, uh, he he is a wonderful addition to it because, as you said, with him and Jared, it's uh, they're a fair, fair pair of bookends that um, you know are really making their mark. Yeah, and Waria Hargraves, he's the player that you love to hate, but wouldn't every team want him? He's the guy you want to be in the trenches with. And then look at their back row: Crichton, Nat Butcher, and lock forward Victor Adley, who's one of my favourite players in the competition. I mean, that's got to be the best back row or arguably in the competition, TC? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially, exactly. Well, we know what Victor, 
Victor's capable of, and, and Matt Butch has gone to another level this year, and uh, and Angus is a you know a state of origin player. Well, I think he's an international. So yeah, no, their um, their timing, their run. Uh, well, uh, again, no, you know, I think West, and you're not going to take that as a gimme, but you think they'd win that. But then I think they're coming into Souths in Melbourne, are they? I think the last two. So you know, they're 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 not over the line as yet. Um, but it's, you, you, it's hard to see them not being um, you know somewhere in that eight. You're right, TC. That's a blockbuster. Final round of the competition. The arch rivals go at it, the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. TC, we've taken up enough of your time, but would you like to finish uh, just talking about last Saturday night, the Danica Clark Gala at Mingara with over 300 in the room? One of the best nights of the year. In fact, one of the best nights of my life last Saturday. Yeah, it was. So, uh, you know, thanks to you too, mate, for your such a year in career best form as, uh, as our compare but uh, yeah no, we've had a time to reflect this week and the feedback we've got from our guests um, you know has been very humbling for the family and uh, you know I'd like to thank Mingara for, for doing what they, they did for us of course it was just um, you know A1 presentation from them and uh, and yeah it was it, it, it was a I think the night of nights do though it's uh, it, it certainly um, you know is in the top three nights on the Central Coast I believe and uh, uh, we, we will be back, you know, bigger and better again next year. Yeah, uh, thanks to all the corporate support as well. TC, enjoy the weekend, mate. Thank you for your time. Boys, thanks for having me. Have a great weekend, and, uh, yeah, hopefully see you next week. Oh, actually, TC, before you go, can you give us your tips? So, major semi today. The Erin mm. Eagles up oh. against Wyong, your, your old footy team. And then tomorrow, tomorrow... We've got uh, Tukli. What a game that'll be. And they're up against Terrigal, who had their old boys' day last weekend, and Terrigal wore the Indigenous jumpers. So can you preview both of those games for us? Yeah, huge day. Congratulations to the Aaron Club. Quickly, too, Steve. They've got uh, all four grades um, in... Uh in the, all five grades, sorry, in the major semi-final at Erin Oval today, so a huge day. I can't see why. I, I, I just think Erin's strength and class will get them home today. They'll be first in the, into the GF. Tomorrow's is going to be an absolute cracker. Two teams in, in, in great form, and congratulations to both Terrigal and Toothley. Probably just lean, lean towards Toothley uh, a little with their, their uh, experienced halves in Jake Fitzpatrick and uh, Conor O'Byrne. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a rib tickler of a, of a uh, rugby league um, um, series, you know, starting today with Erin uh, Ramoyle. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, thanks for your time, mate. We'll talk soon. Good on you, Stoga. Tony Clark joining us, Premiership winning coach with numerous clubs here on the Central Coast. We're off to our first break. We'll talk to Mick Morley, a.k.a. the Bald Badger, in just a moment. I can see teams are warming up. We've got some pink socks in front of us, so obviously they're raising money for cancer research. I've seen there's some Sydney teams here as well. So this is walk football. Mariners are about to start their training session as well in around about 40 minutes from now. We'll find out more about that. Nick Montgomery will join us. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're back on and we're live from Tugra, the Soccer Fives. And there's Walk Soccer, a competition today. And joining us is... Mick Morley, the man we like to call the Bald Badger, who's usually on the McDonald Jones Homes open line. Badge, good morning to you, mate. Good morning, mate. It's good to be back where I belong. Um, 
it's uh, been a little while, but no, always listen to you guys. Fantastic show. Back where you belong, like on the airwaves, or back where you belong playing walk soccer? Well, I started walking soccer when I was playing soccer, mate, 25 years ago, so <laughs> it's not going to be new to me. Mate, are you, uh, you all right? Are you a touch dusty on this Saturday morning? It's Saturday morning. Don't say any more. Okay. Uh, tell us about this walk soccer. So we've got teams from... From Sydney, uh, I just mentioned a moment ago, we've got the team with the pink socks on. So Yeah, we've got Sydney, we've got Wollongong. Um, there's a Brisbane side come down, believe it or not. So, uh, And they've got their, um, their the, the Mariners, their, uh, the ancient Mariners, they're called. So they've got two <laughs> teams in here. We've put a team together. So uh, first time on the Central Coast, there's about over 100 players playing. So uh, as you can see, we've sort of got uh, poles apart. We've got, we've got the ancient people over here playing and we've got the A-League um, 10 metres away from us on the other side so it's sort of worlds apart isn't it what, What's the history of the game? Well it's all started in the UK and I mean um, I was just talking to Pete Edwards who's the, actually the W League um, uh, coach for next year for us and he's put it all together and he said in the UK it's absolutely ma- massive there's like over 8 million people played in the, registered in the UK playing walking football yeah, I think we've got to look more at these kind of sports in terms of active recreation. As you know, I'm on the board of Sports Central Coast and just getting people of all ages active in some way, shape or form and walking is probably a key way to do it. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm just looking out here, you've got a great variety of, of people out there playing and probably some of them who, who, who obviously be involved, I would have thought, in football at some stage. Mick, so, so tell us a little bit about the game. So, so it is just walking out. Yeah, so it's all walking. There's no jogging. It's just literally no. walking. So I mean, this is obviously on a small, small scale with the um, six-a-side pitches. But they in the UK, they do they play oh. they play pool pitches and really? that. So yeah, I mean, here's a little bit reduced sort of. Your ball doesn't can't go over the height of the goal mount, uh, which is 1.5, just to just to keep it um, sort of you know on the ground. The whole idea is that. You know, it goes back to the grassroots of football. You pass and you move, and you pass and you move because as you're walking, you're not going to push it past somebody and take him on. You know, it's not mm. going to happen. So mm. it's it goes back to the real basis of football: control, pass, move, control, pass, move. Well, what if you get someone like a uh, Kerry Saxby or Jane Savile that you know are world-class walkers? I mean, are we yeah. seeing that in other parts of the world? But do they have the ball at their feet? That's the question, mate. That is the question. So um, I've been practising all week against the wall at home, looking good. Um, ball went in the pool too many times. But, um, so I've got, I've got a game on in about 10 minutes. So after the game, I might come back a little bit later and uh, let you know how it all went and, uh, and give you a bit of report. But as you can see, it, look, I, I'm just sitting here, and I've, as you know, I've been involved in Central Coast football here for over 50 years and seeing a few bodies that I used to... Um, kick heads with and they used to kick mine back in probably 30 years ago when they played for Southern or Wyong or the entrance so yeah I saw a few bodies just then. So Mickey you said the first time it's actually been brought here to the Central Coast is this something that the Central Coast is actually looking to to implement get competitions up and running and, and growing numbers of this this uh, type of football? Oh yeah Gary I'd say definitely they, they when I say that this is the first competition apparently the ancient Mariners and a few of the boys they get together down at uh, Adelaide Street there uh, and every Sunday, and they have a little bit of a kick around the comp themselves. They get about twenty or thirty people turn up. So it, it's one of those things. Like, you know, I, I played in the first over thirty fives comp on the Central Coast a, a long time ago. Then we graduated to forty fives, and then all of a sudden you start th- thinking that you're too old to play forty fives, and then you, you, your football career comes to an end unless you come involved with the Mariners or, or do or, or do some coaching. This is probably, as Steve said, it's the next avenue. You know, it's opened up a whole new world of. Um, 
of chance for people who love the game and just to still kick a ball without hopefully getting cleaned up and hurting yourself. Yeah, yeah. fantastic, mate. Uh, you go and get ready, start limbering up, and we'll see you again soon. And uh, on behalf of everyone at SEN, thanks so much for organising today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be here so far. Let's go to the coach, premiership winning coach of the Sydney Roosters. In fact, I, I think this deserves a standing ovation. John Strange joins us. The NRLW is about to get back underway and you've got a blockbuster later on today against Parramatta. Good morning, John. Yeah, g'day, Steve. Thanks for the standing ovation. I can't see it, but I appreciate it. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, big game. Um, we're out here now, actually, at the team hotel across the road um, from the stadium. So, yeah, look, it's very exciting. A uh, bit of a new-look side, obviously, as... As it always happens with the women's game, you a few girls move move on and uh, move around. So yeah, look, I'm just um, looking forward to, to one o'clock and can't wait for the girls to get out there. G'day, John. Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. Uh, hey, how's Gary. it feel? How's it feel, mate? Round one seems to just follow straight away on after you're holding up the premiership trophies. They normally get a you know really a, a, a six month break effectively between between competitions, but obviously with the, the change of the season, how's that been? Uh, not only for yourself, but also for the girls who've, uh, you know, who've now had to prepare for a second season in one year. Yeah, it's, it's obviously um, different to every other year. And, um, yeah, it, look, it, it, it's a little bit surreal in that regard. It literally feels like last week we won the premiership. Um, so, yeah, the girls have had a little break and we've come back together for a short pre-season, only five weeks of training. Um, majority of the girls have returned uh, with some new faces, but it really does feel, uh, yeah, a, a little bit surreal at, at the moment. But um, that's the year we knew it was going to be like this, the two NRLWs in the one season. And, you know, the girls have had origin in between and they've also had their state-based competitions that they've competed in as well, which, you know, only, it was only a short period for that, for that um, those comps. But, yeah, look, it's, 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 a bit, it's definitely a different feeling, I will say that, than uh, any other year. Yeah, i tell you what I love this week. I saw the captains uh, with the NRLW trophy and I thought that was really well done by the NRL. Did I see, apart from Isabel Kelly, did I see two Roosters captains there, John? Um, like as in going to one side? Yeah, I, I thought I saw two Roosters captains at that, uh, at that day. But, mate... Oh, uh, so, uh, yeah, we had Zara Tamara there. She was, um, she was, she went along, but she's actually not our vice captain. No, so we um, look Newcastle. We've got our co-captains, but we've got just Izzy's our captain and Racy McGregor, the halfback, our vice captain. But um, yeah, um, Zara Tamara, we sent her along. She's one of the leaders in our leadership group and one of the leaders in our um, in our women's team. So yeah, so yeah, sorry, mate. No, <clears throat> just the one captain on uh, on that day. Yeah, she is a great player, though, Zahara Tamara. Am I correct in saying there's three Central Coast girls in your team, including Isabel? Yeah, we've got, obviously, the, um, well, we've got Isabel, we've got um, Jordan Burton, who comes off the bench, we've got Justin Kelleher in there as well. Uh, we've got Livia Kearney, uh, we've got Jamie Fressard. Um, yeah, and there's a number of other girls in the development squad and, and some other girls that have missed the 17 from the Central Coast uh, as oh, that... well. So, yeah... Yeah, good representation from the coast. Yeah, that is fantastic. What What's the Shorten Burton story? So she'll come off the bench in the fifteen. Yeah, exactly right. So she um, she's a local girl from Berkeleyvale. Um, she will yeah she'll come on. She's a hooker, so she played two games last year for us, or last season. Sorry, this year. Um, so yeah, Destiny Brill will start. Um, Destiny we we grabbed from uh, the Titans, who's 
um, an amazing player. But yeah, Shorty will come on. Yeah, depending on how Destiny's going, it'll be sometime during um, first half she'll come on and play the hooker role as she did last year in two games, and um, and then Destiny will finish the game off. So yeah, but Shorty's an exciting player. She's been um, playing for Berkeley side for four years before she came in our Central Coast Roosters team, and then obviously has made the transition to NRLW. Gee, I like the look of both of these forward packs. Uh, just looking at Parramatta, Philomena Hanisi is in the front row, Ellie Johnston. And then you look at some of their back rowers, look at their lock forwards. Samima Taufa, one of the legends of the game, Vanessa Foliaki. And you're probably in rare territory, mate, because suddenly you're the hunted. Yeah, I guess, I guess so, Steve. Um, yeah, a few people have said that to us, but look, we, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, to be successful and we put a lot of pressure internally as a team so any anything from from the outside and yeah being premiers and that it doesn't it really doesn't have an impact on us because um, we've got high expectations within our group um you know we, we expect to go out there and and win every game no matter who it is but uh but look we're not going to take power lightly and some of those names you just mentioned and chana penitani is the co-captain there with some and they've got some outstanding players so we we know we're going to have to be at our best um, to win today, and I think that's every, every game in the NRLW. We're, we're privileged to have you on game day. What happens between now and kickoff later on this afternoon? Uh, right now, the girls are in getting their hair braided, um, so a little bit different to the, to the boys, well, for most of the boys. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we actually employ a couple, of, a couple of local Sydney girls to come in and braid the, the players' hair, so that's... Um, that's step one, and then uh, then at 11 o'clock, so it's happening right now, then at 11 o'clock we'll head over to the stadium um, and then just, you know, start game prep from there and um, scope out where our warm-up's going to be and, um, yeah, just work out all our finer details and myself, you know, how long it takes to get to the, to the coach's box and things like that. So, um, but, yeah, right now it's the, the most important thing, which is getting the hair braided. <laughs> yeah, look, I find today's game really interesting, especially from the Parramatta point of view and, the growth of the NRLW, the fact that the Parramatta have got, um, have got uh, from the sevens, they've got Gail Broughton coming in from the very, very uh, experienced player from the sevens, but, but also they've got an AFLW player, Brooke Walker, coming across and playing. So I think Brooke might be the first girl who's actually come from the AFLW into the NRLW, which I think is fantastic. And, and I think you'll see more of the cross coach, which might get a bit harder now the seasons are the starting, but I'll be really excited to see how Brooke goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brooke Walker's an exciting player. I've um, been watching her for a couple of years. She got up for the Women's Nationals at Redcliffe two years ago and played for Victoria there. And, yeah, and looked like a very decent, uh, very you know, good rugby league player. Even though at the time she was playing for Carlton in the AFLW. So she's had experience at the um, Sevens as well with, with the Aussies. So she's, um, yeah, she's an exciting player. We're, we're certainly going to have to watch her whenever she's got the, the ball in her hand. And, and uh, Gail Broughton's a slightly different player. I'm on, she's a sevens player also, but um, yeah, a little bit, little bit of a, a bigger girl and, and stronger. So, you know, we're going to have to go in uh, really hard when the girls go in and tackle her because she's, um, she can you know, make some tackle buffs. So, look, like I said, there's, there's those two. There's, there's so many quality players right across the Parramatta outfit. So I think it's going to be a cracking game. Hey, John, we're getting the wind-up from our producer. Uh, but uh, you might have a debut today. I know your team's probably not finalised, but is it Colossapani Hopawati will play her first yep. NRLW game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pani will, mate. So it's really exciting for her. She was, uh, she was in our squad. She's only 18. She was in our squad this last season and was going to debut in our semi-final game against the Broncos, but tested positive with COVID the night before in our captain's run. So she missed out on 
on playing and then and then missed out on playing in the grand final. So yeah, she'll debut today and go off the bench at some stage. And uh, look, she's a good player. She's, she's she's big and she's athletic and aggressive. So um, yeah, there's another another hopper whitey running around and this time it's in the women's game, but she's um, certainly exciting. Yeah, and what a year for the women too, like with a World Cup year. And uh, you know, recently I spoke to Brad Donald, the coach of the Chillaroos, and. What an unenviable job he's got, John. He's got to try to select 24 to take to the UK. I mean, with the talent that we've got at the moment, you could pick two or three teams. Oh, look, I'd hate to be, I'd hate to be Brad Donald in, in relation to that selection. There's going to be some outstanding players that are just going to have to miss the, miss the plane, unfortunately, because, like you said, there's so many. I know, I know last time with the World Cup, that might have been a little bit easier. It would have definitely been a bit easier for Brad. Um, but yeah, the quality of the competition and everyone stepping up and pushing each other. So yeah, he's got a he's going to have a great side, but he's going to have some headaches picking it, no doubt. Yeah, John, good luck, mate. Thank you, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. John Strange joining us, Premiership winning coach with the Sydney Roosters NRLW side, and. What a game that was, too, against St. George Illawarra up in Redcliffe earlier this year. I think it's one of the sporting highlights of the year that you could have two Sydney women's teams pack out Redcliffe. Yeah, it was amazing. Look, it does only seem like yesterday, as John said, he's doing a great job to get the girls back up again after, like I said, the high of that, the, the culmination of that whole final series of, of where the Roosters come back a couple of times against the, first of all, against the Broncos and then come up against, against the Dragons in the grand final to, to lift that trophy. And here we are, what, a few months later, we're back into it again. And, you know, another really exciting season coming up. And I'm really excited to see how the Knights go. Didn't win a game last year, recruited very heavily. I think their game against the Broncos should be a classic tomorrow. Yeah, well. Millie Boyle against her old team. Hey, we're off to the news. We're back soon with Nick Montgomery. We'll also talk some AFL with the great Troy Luff in the next half hour. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to McDonald Jones Homes and our great mates at Robson Civil Projects on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. I uh, hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. Great to be back on the air. And by the way, if you missed anything from the first half hour, you can always download the SEN app and the catch-up podcast will come out a little bit later on today. I think we just saw our first goal in the walking football and alongside us I think there could be a standing ovation here. The great Nick Montgomery football legend is joining us head coach of the Central Coast Mariners Nick, good morning mate. Morning guys, how are you? Yeah, we're well and uh, so you guys you start training in about 20 minutes? Yeah, we'll start on pitch around 10 o'clock a little bit of video and then yeah we have a, a trial game tomorrow against Broadmeadow Magic at Plume Park. What do you expect from them? Ah, it's always a tough game, 11 players behind the ball, you know, they can make it difficult and that's why you see the, the cup game last week, I think quite a few games went to penalties and that was MPL against the A-League team, so yeah, of, of course, it's, it's never an easy game, you have to win the game. How important are these practice games, Nick? Obviously, you, you mentioned earlier it was hard getting practice games at, at the moment with the FFA Cup on, how important are they for the team's preparation? Yeah, they're vitally important. Last year we, we COVID, we had to do a lot of internal games, but look, you want to play a different opposition, they pose you different problems, you have to find different solutions, and whether it's an MPL team or, or an A-League team, it's always uh, it's always good to get 90 minutes and, and get the boys out there running around. Yeah, And uh, big signing during the week? Uh, you want to tell us a bit more about uh, Kalishi John, Portugal... Uh, from Portugal, I believe. Yeah, yeah, big, uh, big signing for us. You know, he's a 23, 24-year-old. Um, you know, uh, Nigerian under 23 international. Been playing in Portugal for you know, five or six years. Um, developed 
in the Portuguese system there. And yeah, you know, he, uh, he got promoted last year to the top level uh, in, in Portugal with his team. He had plenty of offers, but we spoke to him nice and early. And yeah, we you know we, we sold him the project of coming here and and developing here, and and hopefully he can use it as a platform to, to go to the top level. But yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He's here, still a little bit jet lagged, um, but now he's a big boy, and yeah, we're looking forward to getting him on the training pack. So obviously with the Mariners, over, over the past number of years, we've been sort of like a, a develop and, and move on type of, of club. How important is it, or how difficult it is to to sell the the Mariners? I suppose, not brand, but actually to get them to come to the Mariners to, Im- to improve their football game. Yeah, look, I think when you look at the last couple of years, the players that have uh, you know, have gone overseas to big clubs in, in Europe, um, you know, at the end of the day, the A-League's a good league. You know, don't get me wrong, it's a very good league. But you know, it's a destination where you can come and develop. And, and, and yeah, from there, obviously, the, you know, the world's your oyster. We've, not only have you got Asia, all the countries in Asia, the big teams, you've got Europe as well. And I think it's great that European clubs are looking at players from the A-League. So... No, number one, you need to be playing and, and come to a good environment, and that's what we try and give the players here. Hey, Nick, uh, since we saw you last, Danny Vukovic is back on the Central Coast, one of our all-time favourite players, uh, I think one of the originals, along with John Crawley, and what a career he's had, and so great to see some players come back to the Central Coast. Yeah, Vuk is a, a massive character, you know, very, very popular on the Central Coast, I think, when it came out. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was met with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of love. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a family guy. He's been at the club uh, back in the day when they won the Premier's plate, and and yeah, people remember that stuff. And to bring him back, you know, full circle at, at, towards the end of his career was was a massive uh, a massive signing for us. And and yeah, we, you know, he's he's already settled in, and it's like he's been part of the furniture. So nah, not only a, a top keeper, but just a great guy. And culturally for us, you know, he's going to give us that uh, experienced leader at the back that we you know that we needed. Yeah, actually, last time I saw you, I think I was working for MBN TV, and it was at the day where all the business community got together to rally around the club. You kind of gave me a nod and a wink that you're looking for some keepers, but you couldn't you couldn't divulge too much more. But uh, that's when it was all coming together. Yeah, look, his situation was, you know, he was at a club in Holland. Um, he was contracted there, and, and yeah, look, we negotiated with him, and he negotiated with the club. And, and for us to get him out um, and, and get him here in a World Cup year as well, where he's been part of that squad for the last couple of years, you know, it, it ticked every box, not only for us needing to replace the, the keeper that we'd lost, but also for him to, to get out and, and get playing and get in front of Graham Arnold. So, number one, it's you know, he's a great move for everyone in, in, involved in it. And yeah, he's, he's, a, yeah, he's, a, he's a massive presence. And no doubt everyone will be uh, looking forward to seeing him back in the early. Hey, uh, I know you've got to go in a moment, but... Have we signed another qual? Have we signed the youngest qual? I think we'll sign all the quals, yeah. So <laughs> he's got about four younger brothers and they're all you know, massive talent. So, yeah, no, no doubt we, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have them all signed up soon. Yeah, tell us about the latest qual rolling off the assembly line. Yeah, so he's called Diddy. He's, uh, yeah, he's, I think he's training with under-13s, under-14s at the minute. But, yeah, very quick. Uh, cheeky little grin on him and always smiling. But, nah, he's, uh, you know, it's great to have... Have his family here on a central coast and, and supporting Grang. You know, you forget Grang's a 17-year-old kid that's played in the A League and everybody's uh, talking about him. So you know, it's good that he's got that support and his and his family have moved up here to support him and, and and probably cook his food for him every night and look after him. It is a it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because we first started to hear about players being signed in the UK as as young as 10, and you think 
that's ludicrous, but you can kind of understand it. Like uh, under the father-son rule in AFL where, you know, you want to kind of, if, if you feel like kids have got potential, it's time to lock them in. Yeah, I think you're right there, Steve. And everyone's always looking for the, for the most talented athlete. No matter what sport you are, they're always looking for the athlete because they're able to assimilate pretty quickly from code to code if you get them young enough. Would that be right, Nick? Yeah, look, you look at the Premier League clubs in England and they'll sign 25 young young talents and spend a lot of money on them. If one of them makes it to the top and they sell them for £100 million, you know, the investment in the other 19 of them is, is, is minimal. So, yeah, that, that, that's the way that all sports seem to go and, and, and we're young players as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a world we live in. See, I think we've got a couple, you know, spot on when Tommy Rogic was rolling through. Like, I remember when he came here, someone said to me, we picked up the best young kid in the country. And you think, wow, who's pulled this deal together? I think Mustafa Amini was similar. That, you know, we've jagged a couple of kids somehow, like this little club on the Central Coast, compared to a lot of the juggernauts around the country. So there's some people that deserve massive credit for pulling those off. Yeah, but I think it's about opportunity. You know, it's, it's easy to say, bring the young players in, but you have to take the risks in playing them. And that's what mm. me as a coach, that's, that's the risk that I take because at the end of the day, the result's the most important thing. You know, when you take risks and, and you play young players, you know, it's not always a, an overnight success. Um, but yeah, if you believe in them and, and, and they give them that belief, there's no doubt, like we've seen the last couple of years at this club, they can really go on and flourish and the club needs to, to, to do that to survive. Hey, Nick, uh, I don't think we've ever seen this in our lifetime. Uh, man, you at the bottom of the table in the Premier League. Yeah, it's not nice to see, obviously. You know, we've been uh, one of the biggest teams in, in world football when you see them struggling and everyone else seems to take joy in that. Um, no. But one thing about Man United is you know that they're going to fight back and, and they've got a good coach now that needs a little bit of time. If you can get the right players in, there's no doubt. I don't think there's any doubt they can they can come strong this and, and compete this season. But right now, yeah, they're in a, a tough situation where they've got to stick, stick strong as a club and a bunch of players because they do have quality and they can win games. Mm. Nick, on a personal note, uh, Nick Montgomery in the talk for the Motherwell uh, manager's job. How did that come about and uh, how far did it go? Oh, look, he, obviously that, that came out in the press. They contacted the club and and wanted to speak to me on a shortly. So, look, I you know, spoke to Rich, the owner, and, you know, to be fair, Muffle, they were very respectful. They contacted the club and asked to speak. So, you know, respectfully, I spoke to them. And, and yeah, I didn't really have any any, any intention of, of leaving, but look, it was a good experience. And, and, and yeah, you know, it, it's... It was just something that, that, that came up and I think the right thing was to, to, to have the conversation with them. So we wish them well and, yeah, good 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 club in the SPL. But my job say now at the Mariners and my priority is to, to continue to, to build this club. Yeah, look, it's a credit to yourself to be actually, to, for the job that you're doing here, to be recognised by the Scottish Premier League. You know, it's, a, it's a feather in your cap, so well done. Yeah, I think, look, I think it's a feather in the club's cap. I think, you know, we've got players going at top level clubs in Europe and, and for the Mariners it's good that, that people overseas see what we're doing here and, and see what we're doing in, in, in talent development and no doubt that's you know, that creates interest for, for everyone at the club and every staff and every player. Just uh, in 25 words or less uh, for our listeners what does this morning session look like that you're about to run here at the Centre of Excellence? So it's a match day minus one so it'll be a lighter session today we pushed the boys pretty hard yesterday um, but the main focus is, is a 90 minute game tomorrow so it'll be a little bit of preparation 
bit of video on, on the opposition um, and then from there, yeah, it'll just be a light session, a bit of tactical and, and set pieces, making sure everyone understands their, their role and responsibility and yeah, off they'll, off they'll go to, to rest and, and make sure they're ready for tomorrow and it's a big game tomorrow um, in the NPL, the, the first grade boys have got a semi-final and, and the 20s boys have got a semi-final so everyone gets to Plume Park tomorrow, so it's going to be a, a, a fun packed day of, of football and, and the Mariners. Yeah, any uh, A-League players in the Broad Meadow lineup? No, I don't think so. All right, beautiful. Great job, mate. Another Cheers, guys. Another standing O for uh, one of the greatest of all time to wear the shirt, Nick Montgomery. Thanks for your time. Uh, we're off to a break. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We'll talk some AFL next with Troy Luff, AFL legend, coming up right after this on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Tuggeroo. We're watching the walk football um, and, and loving it. Gary Birkinshaw alongside me. Yeah, look, it's very, very interesting. Although some of them, the walk is uh, it's just extended to a little trot on some of them. They, they, they win a medal, I reckon, at the uh, at the games with some of the walking. But no, it is fascinating, actually. And um, look, they're out enjoying themselves, Stephen. We mentioned earlier on just the importance <laughs> now of, um, of of extending the giving opportunities for everyone to be able to play the sports. And I think a lot of sports are, are trying to get to that level now. And you mentioned earlier about how important it is that, that we actually look to, to extend that out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've seen a couple of goals. They need Lockie, our technician, just to walk over and find out who the green and white team are because some beautiful skill from them moving the ball from right to left and then a goal by the striker a moment ago. It's like anything, though, Steve. You don't lose, you don't lose the touch. Well, like your ability in that always still remains. It's just a, you just slow down. Injuries, injuries could tell you, and there's more you're running in that more than you know, you're touching that, and that never seems to go away. And um, there's some very skillful players out there. Hey, by the way, the uh, World Surf League is currently in Tahiti. Kelly Slater's in the water, but he's in a combo situ- situation against Carly Vast. So Slater with a lot of work to do. In fact, looks like this one could almost be over. Uh, the next heat for the men... Involves a couple of Brazilians up against each other, Caio Abelli and Miguel Pupo. In the women's, I'll just bring that up on the computer here, Courtney Conalog versus Brisa Hennessy. So that's the final heat coming up in a few moments. Yeah, look, uh, the, the surfing's been a bit hard to follow this year given they've, they've changed the format. Well, everyone, you know, with, with you know, eliminations earlier on, and then you go through the qualifiers to get into the main, the main heat. But we're certainly getting down to the, the business end of the year now as we approach the final. Uh, so. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm not entirely sure that I love this new format. How about you? Oh, I definitely don't. No, no. I'm, I'm old school, I suppose, Stevie. You get all, get all, if you qualify for the tour, you qualify for the tour, you do all the events... And then, and then you, you know, at the end of the, where you finish up is where you finish up. And then, if you don't do well enough, well, then you, 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 know, you, don't, you don't get into the next next year's series. But uh, this, I, I'm, I'm, I think it'd be tough because all of a sudden you see someone's out there doing really well, and then you find out it's just a, a qualifier, and, and a lot of the good ones aren't there. So it must be tough, I reckon, for the for the surfers as well. Yeah. By the way, uh, Stephanie Gilmore went out in the quarterfinals against Courtney Conlog. What else has caught your eye? Well, I don't know if you're going to mention it, but we had you spoke obviously uh, with TC earlier on, and in netball, uh, Danica Clark scholarship number 100, Noah Stevenson um, for the Australian under 17s versus New Zealand training during the week, ready for a tour over 
overseas uh, next month. Yeah. Hey, we're off to the news. Troy Luff is coming up in a moment. We'll talk some AFL next on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live at the... Walk Football Championship, so a social competition and a professional competition as well. Yeah, look, they've just finished round one of the first game this morning. The, the boys are come, boys and girls are coming back. They look very refreshed. Tugger, Tugger have obviously gone down. Just got the thumbs down from the from the Tugger. Four three, jeez, good game. They four three. It's it's, it's actually it's the first time I've actually seen it, Steve, and it's very very interesting to to watch and play and. We mentioned before they don't lose their skills. I think we saw one uh, one player even just putting goals in for fun. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've loved it, and I feel like more sports should see it. I know there's a walk hockey version, right. and mm. anything that encourages people to get active, we should be fully supporting. In fact, uh, I think there should be more video footage of this. Uh, I implore NBN TV to come on down and get some footage, and it should be shared, particularly like with yeah older demographics. It, certainly, and you look at from a football perspective on the Central Coast, football numbers, but not in the Central Coast, it's everywhere, football numbers are actually huge. So they go through and the age groups get older. So there's going to be plenty of players who, who when they finish playing at over 45, they're still looking at something to, to do. They may lose their activeness. And, and this is a fantastic opportunity yeah, for yeah, that. You know what? I take everything back. I think young demographics should see this. So there's so many kids in school that aren't doing anything uh, in terms yeah. of activity. And how easy is this? Uh, you're part of a team, yep. so it's going to help you both mentally and physically. Let's go to our next guest who's been waiting patiently on the line and I uh, can't wait to talk to him after what unfolded last night up in Brisbane. Troy Luff, AFL legend, in fact, standing ovation. One of my all-time favourite players. Luffy, good morning, mate. Welcome good back to morning, the show. Good morning, guys. Uh, good morning. And I actually was surprised you actually dragged Gaz away from playing the walking football. It's about his pace, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit quick for me, Luffy, you know that. <laughs> Luffy, uh, last night we thought it was going to be a blockbuster. In the end, Melbourne blow Brisbane off the field. 18-7, 1-15, 8-9-57. Was it over by quarter time? It was definitely over by half time. But I guess the big news coming out of it is Dane Zorko has had an absolute shocker. It was a dirty night for Brisbane and it got even worse for him. Uh, with an investigation that's about to take place. Tell us more. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I had my daughter, Millie, who's sitting in the car with me now as we drive along the uh, the M1 or F3 just over the Hawkesbury at the moment, heading heading your way. Um, and I put her to bed, and I was, like, so looking forward to watching a good game of footy. Turned it on, 38 to 6. So I'm like, oh, great. And that was it. The, the whole game was just shambles as far as Brisbane goes. Um, the scoreline, I mean, Melbourne... Melbourne made every opportunity of every inside 50. And believe it or not, Brisbane had more inside 50s than Melbourne. They got beaten by 10 goals. Hard to believe. And, and yeah, look, something's been said, Dane Zorko, um, something of a personal nature, which it, it, it didn't look good on TV. We don't know what it was. Apparently, it was something to do with a family member from one of the Melbourne players. And there is going to be an investigation. We'll just have to wait and see what the outcome is. And at the end of the game, Zorko was very apologetic. You know, both both um, clubs got together and, and you know they had a bit of a chat about it. And obviously, something was said that that hit a nerve. And you know, sometimes you can, you can step over the line in football with what you say. 
So last night's result, Luffy, moving forward, we've got finals kick off in two weeks' time. So Melbourne are obviously humming, they're going really well. What's it actually do for Brisbane? They'll probably get, they'll definitely end up now in an elimination semi-final. They'll probably get it at home, so that'll probably certainly help, but there's a long way back, isn't it, from that performance last night? I know we can say it's isolated, but their form hasn't been that good now for, for probably a month. No, they've only won a couple of games the last month, and obviously they'll be hoping that Fremantle win and Carlton win uh, this weekend, because that means they'll still get a top four spot, but... You know, the, the Fremantle GWS games will be unlikely. And I think, the, you know, the Dockers, even though it is away from home, I, you'd assume the Dockers will win that. All of a sudden, Brisbane, who have been in the top four all year, could find themselves, as you said, elimination final. And, and Melbourne winning by so much last night actually hurt the Swans. Even though yeah. all, the Swans, all the Swans have to do is win to make the, the top four, the percentage now means that Melbourne has a far dominant percentage. Unless the Swans can win by about eight or nine goals, They'll miss out on having two home finals, which is what you get from when you finish second spot. So there's some huge games this weekend that's going to change the ladder. You've got Collingwood and Carlton. Carlton have to win to ensure a top eight spot. If Richmond wins, St Kilda can't make the eight. The Dogs, there's so many other teams that can still get that last spot. And it's going to come down to whether Richmond can win and that'll end up putting everyone out of their misery. Hey, Luffy, I just want to talk to you about the game last night because you mentioned about the inside 50s. Now, every, nearly every entry from Brisbane, they just seemed to bomb it in, hoping for a miracle mark. With Melbourne, they had so many different ways to go inside 50. We saw yeah, Cozzy Pickett worked his magic last night. Probably should have kicked five because I think he missed a sitter late in the match. But... Yeah, Petrarca just sensational, winning the footy. I'm not sure what his final numbers were, but what a superstar of the competition he is. But when you looked at Brisbane, you could hear the commentators say, why aren't they using the width? Because so often they were kicking to a pack or they were kicking to a two-on-one, which was in Melbourne's favour. And you're thinking they've got a player out there on the edge by himself who could maybe run in and do something. But I just thought Brisbane didn't use the ball very wisely last night. I'd like to hear your thoughts as as an expert of the game. No, it was. It wasn't very smart. I think, I'm not sure what the final inside 50 count was, but at one stage, I think it was 58 to 53 in Brisbane's favour. And you have a look at the stats on Hipwood. He had about six touches. Danaher had a couple of marks. None of the, Charlie Cameron, quiet night. None of their forwards were taking marks inside their forward 50. Whereas Melbourne, what they were doing is they'd get close to 50 and they just pinpoint a 15 metre pass if they had to to players on their own or players in space. Cosy Pickett, he actually missed a couple of easy ones. He should have picked six goals. Um, but he was finding space. The Melbourne Demons didn't rush it. They took their time. Other than that, it was a quick turnover from their defence. They ran straight into an open 450. But when it came to actual outside the 50 looking for a spot, they just did it so well. They, they, I think they, they had uh, a score from every second... Uh, 50 entry, which is just amazing. And if you look at all the stats, Brisbane had more of nearly everything last night, including possession, but they, they lost by nearly 10 goals. Yeah, they were bitterly disappointing. Bailey Fritch, what a, what a player. I'd like to get your analysis, Luffy. Now, before the game, they said that he's been rather quiet, but, I mean, that guy, look, look at what he did in last year's grand final. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. They're, they're an outstanding squad. You've got Brayshaw, who picked up, I think, 27 last night. Oliver had 30 disposals, including 13 clearances. But give us your thoughts on some of their stars. Oh, look, I think, um, 
like Petrarca and Oliver, they, they're always good at setting it up, and of course Max Gord in the middle. And then French is a guy that just takes makes the most of every opportunity. I think I think he kicked four goals last night, and you know he just takes some great grabs when it's needed, and scores a goal, and he does it every week. And that's the thing with Melbourne's forward line is Ben Brown kicked three goals. He only had seven touches, but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> he's going to kick, you know. If he's gonna if he's gonna get seven touches and kick three goals, well he's done his job, and that's hey. what's good about Melbourne. They don't rely on just one player to kick a bag for to win the game. Uh, Luffy, uh, one hour, uh, one day, five hours and eight minutes precisely until first bounce. What a game it's going to be! Is there over ninety thousand for Collingwood Carlton? Uh, it could be the game of the year, hopefully. Oh look, last week when I saw the scheduling and, and looked ahead and went. Wow. Okay, this is this game. Collingwood need to win for any chance to make top four. Carlton need to win to ensure a top eight spot. They haven't been in the finals for a long time. Carlton. It's going to be massive. It's going to be. It's a finals game. A week out of the finals. It's going to be like you said, eighty-five to ninety thousand people coming to a home and away game to watch the the arch rivals. They've been rivals for a hundred years. These two teams and. It's going to be a cracking game. That's probably the game of the weekend, there's no doubt. And what, you know, If Carlton wins, it means that some of the other games are irrelevant, especially the Swans-St Kilda game. Like, St Kilda now, to make the finals, they've got to bank on all these other teams to lose and then win by a lot to actually make it themselves. So, you know, Carlton win, Richmond win, that means the, game on, the last game of the weekend on Sunday is irrelevant other than the Swans need to win to maintain top four. Well, the other the other key one is Western Bulldogs and Hawthorne, yeah. Guru. Yeah, we don't want uh, we don't want Hawthorne to beat uh, the Western Bulldogs, so that'll make Carlton already guaranteed of a spot in the finals heading into the Carlton Collingwood game. So, so they'll already be, be stuck in that. So, it'll probably put a bit of a downer on that game, albeit that Collingwood will still be fighting for a top four spot. Probably just going to change tack a little bit with you, Luffy. What do you make of the coaching situation during the week? With obviously with Alistair Clarkson going to North Melbourne, great coup for North Melbourne, but. The way Essendon handled the whole coaching position this week is it's just head-scratching. Well, if you're uh, right, you're, you're probably a little little bit bemused that they're looking at another coach when he's still contracted and still has the job at Essendon. So, you know, the, you've got a couple of teams that wanted Clarks in GWS and North Melbourne. Then early in the week, Essendon go, well, we'd like him. And Paul Ben Rutten sitting there going, hang on, I'm still coaching here and you're already looking for another coach, so does that mean I'm going to get sacked at the end of the year? So, you know, it, it doesn't look great. And at the end of the day, Alistair Clarkson, who after 17 years and four premierships at Hawthorne, he's obviously did a great job, he's a good coach. He's gone back to his old home team. Like, he played for North Melbourne way back in the you know, early, uh, early 90s, early 2000s, um, and that was what made his decision up was, after such a long time at North Melbourne, he, he went, you know what, I'm going to do this. And, and it's probably similar to when Paul Roos took over Melbourne. Melbourne were down the bottom of the ladder and they, they looked hopeless. And, you know, he built them up slowly and then Goodwin took over and won a premiership with them. So, you know, that might happen at North Melbourne with Clarkson as well. Well, I heard Clarkson say he can turn North Melbourne around very quickly. Did he elaborate on how he's going to do that? Oh, I actually agree. I think the right coach... Someone of his stature can turn North Melbourne around. What do you think, Guru? I think, I, I, I think, 
Yeah, but I, th- I think the North Melbourne job is so good for him because they're not looking for immediate success. If you go to Essendon, they're going to want it. They wanted immediate success, and I'm not sure Essendon's list is going to give you immediate success. But North Melbourne have got some great pillars around their, their key areas. They've got um, some good young talent. They're going to get good draft picks. So it'll still take him a number of years to actually to. to they should improve next year, no doubt about that. But but like I said, that there is no quick expectation on North Melbourne apart from the fact that Alistair Clarkson is gone there now. But Essendon, on the other hand, like. I'm not. I'm not sure where they go for their for their next coach, given the fact that Ben Rutten really realistically can't stay. If he stays there, he's got another one year contract. It's, it's full credit to him. But there's a, there's a vote of no confidence in there for him to stay. The board's got to go to start with, and then you get a coach to come in when Ben Rutten's been there two years as a senior coach. I know he had two years as an assistant before that, but Essendon made the finals last year. So okay, on the back of, of this year, and yeah, maybe the expectation of Essendon based on their list was probably way too high anyway, but. As a coach to go in there, they want they want success and they want it now. Hey, by the way, boys, uh, we haven't even touched on Luffy. Sydney's sensational mm. win. I think the third highest home and away crowd for Sydney ever. Uh, their win against Collingwood last week. I mean, this isn't a two-horse race. Sydney are in this up to their ears. What are your thoughts, Luffy? Well, the only teams that Sydney have lost to are all of outside the eight. I mean, mm. they've beaten Melbourne, Geelong, Richmond. They've, they've beaten everybody, and, they, and they've done it well. Their last week's game was up against a team that had won 11 games in a row. They wanted a top-four spot, and they had a very strong side in, and they didn't even look like a Collingwood. Swans just put them to the sword. The pressure was immense. Uh, and, and the good thing for the Sydney fans last week was it was actually a 40-year um, anniversary of the Swans moving to Sydney from South Melbourne. And so all the past players, including myself, got to do a lap at half-time and, and walk around. And, uh, and to see, there was 46,500 people there. And as you said, it was the third biggest crowd ever. And that's including finals. It was bigger than some of the finals. And, and to do that, Josh Kennedy got to do a, a, a lap of honour because he's going to retire. So... It was a great day across the whole board, and the Swans just looked so good. Their, their improvements come from the younger guys that have taken the next step. Last year, some of those younger guys, they, they really struggled. Like Errol Goulden in his first year, Ollie Florent wasn't that good. Um, Chad Warner has taken a massive step. They've got Paddy McCartan in the back line, his brother Tommy. They, they've all taken a big step this year, and, and now they are, they are a dead-set chance, the Swans. Yeah, Luffy, there's nothing better, is there, than a heaving SCG. Uh, great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful place for sport, and especially with football. And, and uh, when the Swans are up and about, they certainly pack it out. And I agree with you. I reckon the Swans, are, I think, believe it or not, even the, where they're sitting on the ladder, they're just sneaking so much on the radar from a lot of the, a lot of the, the Melbourne pundits. And, and as you said, they've beaten everybody. And we talk about, you know, they, they, they probably won't get their two finals at home, but... If you look at their record, the Swans' record is better away from the SCG than what it is at the SCG in recent years. Well, not this year. The SCG has become a fortress again. Um, I think the last two years, if you have a look, they've only lost a couple of games the last two years at the SCG. But they've also had a good record, a long-standing good record away from home. Um, There was a period there where the SCG, they were actually losing more than they won. But um, the Swans record away from home has been great so it doesn't worry them if they play at the MCG or the Gabba or um, even over in Subiaco or Perth it doesn't really matter they've, they've beaten all those sides at their own ground so um, including Geelong at Cadinia Park so it doesn't really matter 
who and where they play. So, you know, they are, they're in a good position, the Swans. They're just a, you know, let's just hope they can beat St Kilda by about eight or nine goals and finish second. That's what I'm hoping for. Hey, uh, by the way, Sydney has done this so well with their social media where we're inside the rooms when Josh Kennedy announces that he's going to hang the boots up. And you see how emotional he is. John Longmire as well, who spoke glowingly about Josh Kennedy. But I'm sure you've seen this, Luffy. They've done the disposals for finals footy. And I think Josh Kennedy is almost twice as good as any other player since the records have been kept. So, you know, when there's something on the line, this guy is just supreme. What a career. He is, and that just goes to show with the quality of the player he is because, uh, you know, as we know, it doesn't matter what code of football you play, come finals, even some of the best just crack under pressure. You, you know, you, you have a look at some players that go, gee, he's had a good year this year, but in the finals he barely touched it. They just, they, they can't cope with it, whereas Josh Kennedy, he loves that sort of atmosphere. He loves finals. He, he just, he rises to every occasion. And, and it's, it's sad that he did his hamstring in the reserves like after about three weeks of coming back from his other hamstring injury, that he probably should have been in the senior side, and you just you just don't know. He may have got over it. He might not have. He might have done his hammy. He might not have, and, he, and he'd be in the side right now. But you know, even if he does get over this next hamstring injury come finals, I I, I struggle to see the Swans put him in the side, which is disappointing for him and and for Swan fans. He's such a great player. Um, you know, being underdone coming to the finals, you just you just don't want to make that call. So it's going to yeah. be tough for the selectors when it when it comes to finals. He uh, he's amassed 15 plus contested possessions in finals 16 times. Next highest is is Paddy Dangerfield, mm. who's done it eight times. Luffy, uh, we've taken up enough of your time. We do have the uh, the showdown in Adelaide this weekend as well. That'll be a cracker. Uh, regardless of where they are on the table, they'll go at it. Both the Adelaide teams. Uh, but, mate, uh, great to have you on the show. Safe travels with your daughter, and we'll talk soon. We're on our way to Curranbon Playground to meet my dad, my brother, and my other daughter who lives in Newcastle. So we've got to meet halfway. They're in Nelson Bay, Newcastle. I'm in Sydney. So we're going to have a barbie in Curranbon. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Great to have you on the show. All right, have a good weekend, guys. The great Troy Luff. Absolute legend. Uh, just quickly, because I know our producer's going to be yelling at us down the line, the great Adam Staples. Uh, Black Diamond AFL or Hunter Central Coast AFL. We might see a century of goals kick. Uh, Timmy Usterhoff is getting close. Yep, he's, he's got 13 to go. Last round today, they're playing Maitland. And uh, I think it'd be the first century of goals. Probably, uh, Courtney Knight might have kicked from Newcastle yeah. City, might have kicked 100. But other than that, from the Central Coast, be Big Murray Goolagong. Yeah, I saw Corey Shackleton on Monday for NBN TV and he said maybe Courtney Knight or Mick Ryan, who was a fantastic uh, yeah, player yep. as well, but both, both of those were great players, yeah, weren't they? Yeah. Mick, Mick Ryan was in the military. Yes, uh, yes. But Timmy Usterhoff, uh, it's a bit of a sideshow according to Corey Shackleton. He'd rather get that out of the way so they can focus on having a real crack at it because it's their first minor premiership mm. since their premiership year yep. of 2007. 2007. Yeah. That, uh, did they win the minor premiership in 2007? Uh, uh, sorry, I'm wrong. It's their first minor premiership since 1998. Yeah, because 2007 when they won the premiership was, was an upset. Newcastle City were the, were the hot pots, pots that year and they won that. But look, it's final round. They've got a big game. They have a bye next week between the end of the season to the final. So the finals don't kick off for two weeks. But that second semi-final, Kalani Vale versus Terrigal of Oka. 
That will be an absolute cracker. And they are rolling home, aren't they, the Panthers? Yeah, yeah. they've got um, a son, Scott, obviously plays for Terrigal. They've, they've got a lot of their players back who've been missing over the course of the year. They're back now and uh, they're humming along. But I'll tell you what, Kalani Vale, they've taken all before them. And it's, it's hard, to, hard to get a, a, a gauge between Terrigal and Kalani because the three times they've played all been in the wet. So no one knows how they go playing against each other in the dry. And I know, I know Corey's uh, got his Kalani Vale side. When they're on top of the track, they're, um, they're, they're very, very slick. And, and so are Terrigal. We know what Terrigal like. They're you know, perennial premiers in, in this competition. So yeah. it should be a beauty. Hey, we uh, desperately need to go to a commercial break. We'll do that now. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Don't forget... So many great guests this morning. The catch-up podcast will come out later on today. And the show is all thanks to Robson Civil Projects celebrating their 60th anniversary and also McDonald Jones Home. Start your dream home today with McDonald Jones. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Tugra and it's the Walk Football Championships. I've been loving watching this. Great skill. And... Not sure who these two teams are right in front of us at the moment, but uh, I'm, I'm telling you, this could be a preview of the grand final, and that'd be a preview in the professional <laughs> section too. I reckon, Steve. It's um, it's getting yeah. It's um, it, I think it's very competitive, Steve. Hey, is what, what I'm seeing from, just, from this one. Just a little bit of controversy here, just between you and I. If we brought down the cone of silence. There is a little bit of controversy that some of the players aren't exactly walking. They could be breaking into like a trot, and that's outside the rules. And I think what you're finding here, this is where the experience comes in. I think you're getting the first-timers who are playing, who are playing legitimate to the walk. But yeah. the experienced players, they, they seem to know how to, how to get the walk into a little trot. I well, think well, it's, like, it's like poor old Jane Savile coming in where she's about to win the gold medal at the Olympics. But she's been flagged a couple of times. Now, I think some of these players need to be flagged. Tell you what, there is some red paddles going out here, I tell you now. And yeah. Well, they, what, what do they do now? They do it in the triathlon. Don't they send them to the bin now? You go sit over there on yeah. the side there for 10 seconds or something like that. There'd be some of that happening here because it's... Um, I don't think, don't think the feet are on the ground at all times. Hey, uh, have you seen Top Gun Part 2? Yes. Yeah. Now, what a movie that is. In a moment, we're about to talk to a young guy who... I think he's channeling his inner Top Gun. Like, he wears the aviators when he paddles on the world tour. Yeah, he does. Didn't he look good? And gee, how close. He got the bronze in the World uh, World Championships the other day. And, and oh, it was so close. And 42 seconds it is. It is just yeah. on the go. But, yes, front on. Got the aviator sunglasses on. Looked really good. And, look, he's doing a fantastic job on the world circuit. Yeah, he's one of my favourite athletes. Dylan Littlehale. So, he's a two-time Paralympian. Competed in Rio and also in Tokyo. But now, and he's only 22, doesn't turn 23 until the end of the year. He's got the opportunity in the next decade. So he'll become a four or five time Paralympian. So he'll be one of our greatest ever Paralympians. And he's got the opportunity to win a whole bunch of medals on, yeah. on the international stage. So we'll talk to him in a moment. Quick shout out, my beautiful mum's listening on the Gold Coast. And also my younger brother, the Bear, uh, Dennis Allen, who played rugby league for Queensland. When I was at school growing up in the 80s, the Bear was the real deal. What a player. He played in the front row, but he could also play lock forward. In his Queensland team was Jason Smith, who Mm -hmm. went on to win a premiership 
uh, and play with Canterbury and also Parramatta. So shout out to the Bear on this Saturday morning as well. It's 28 to 11. Back in a few moments with Dylan Littlehales. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from Tugra, the Walk Football Championships. A beautiful day too. Gorgeous, sunny Saturday. It doesn't get much better. My son's birthday. We're all going to celebrate long and hard. Uh, later on today. What do you got planned, mate? Uh, well, we were going to take him down to, you know, that beautiful pub at Patonga. Oh, yes, nice. Oh, nice. it's gorgeous yeah. down there. But that we might have palmed that off because it's, from where we are, like it's probably a two-hour round trip. Yeah. But tonight we're going to Lagoon, the beautiful pizza place in Womberall. Oh, nice. Uh, with family and friends. Uh, beautiful. Yeah. No. Can you believe he's 23? No, I can't. The, but I'm, the sure that, I'm sure that he'll, he's not a little guy either, by the way. I uh, met him for the first time a couple of weeks ago. No, Corey, enjoy your day. Hey, let's go live. In fact, I'm doing a standing ovation here. Uh, I mentioned earlier he's one of my favourite athletes of all time. Two-time Paralympian at the tender age of 22. He's already been to six world championships. Dylan Little-Hales, good morning, mate, and congratulations on your world championship medal. Yeah, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, good morning, mate, and congratulations on the world. Congrats on the world championships in Canada. Tell us more about that final race where it came down to a fingernail. Yeah, so pretty typical. Another photo finish, my fourth one in a row. Unfortunately, on the wrong side of it, but um, I basically went into that race thinking if I can get, if I'm within half a boat of GB at the hundred meter mark, then I can pull through and win this. And coming into the hundred, I was actually three quarters of a boat behind, so I was thinking. There we go, but um, yeah, but managed to almost pull it back. It was 0.07 of a second between me and first, so not much there, but three-way photo finish and just glad to be on the podium. In your mind, like as you visualise how the race will unfold, you obviously see yourself winning, but did you feel it would be that close prior to the start? Yeah, well, like coming into the um, into that final, as fast as qualified, but that was only by point zero three, so literally nothing in it between me and the Spanish bloke in second. So it was always going to come down to just that um, split second that one move could win it or lose it for anybody. So unfortunately, I just couldn't get over the GB in Spain. Yeah, Dylan, Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. Congratulations on the on the bronze medal. A fantastic performance and uh, and, a, and a great final. Um, uh, so about 42 seconds the whole event goes for. So obviously there's not a lot of room for, for <laughs> error in over that period of time. So so how much strategy actually goes into the race itself or is it just helter-skelter from the, from the word go? Uh, it's pretty much just, yeah, straight off the line, just as high as you can go and try to hold on, so... Like most athletes start hitting that lactate barrier around that 100, 150 mark, and then it's just trying to maintain your pace as well as you can. So it's not not too much tactics. Like as long as you've got a bit of fitness, you can go flat out the whole way. So I've just had that better back end, but just need to work on that front end. Yeah, I was actually staggered, Dylan, that you had so much work to do. Like when they showed the aerial, the drone shot, at the halfway stage, you're almost, like you said, almost a full boat length behind. So, really, it's a miraculous performance that you end up on the podium at all. <laughs> yeah, like, 
as I said, like I've always like talking about that visualizing. I was coming into that race knowing that, like expecting to be behind at that hundred meter mark. Not by that much, obviously. Nobody wants to be behind by that much, but um, I guess that just kept me calm and allowed me to keep pushing through to the line. Yeah. So moving forward. Your goal now is to really look to put some size on, some bulk on, compared to some of these other paddlers. Yeah, so like in Tokyo, if you anybody watched the race, you like I'm about 15 kilos lighter than pretty much anybody in that final. I'm about 68 kilos, they're about 80. So um, the plan this year was take a few months off, get into the gym, just smash out a bunch of lifting. Um, put some size on this year, so it was always the expectation that I wasn't going to be at my absolute best at World Champs this year. It was all about building towards um, Paris in two years' time because that's the ultimate goal is winning at the Paralympics. So, yeah, spent another year trying to put on a bit more size, turning all that size and muscle into speed, and then hopefully we're good to go over the next two years. Yeah, fantastic. And for our listeners who may have never heard of Dylan Littlehales, can you just share a few stories? Is it over 20 surgeries you've had in your lifetime? Uh, so KL3 is for paddlers with some kind of leg deficiency. Can you just elaborate yeah. on what you've had to go through? Yeah, so I was born with a um, condition called congenital fibular hemianelia, which is essentially means I was born with a limb deficiency in my right leg, the outside of my right leg's underdeveloped. So from about age four to about age 13, I'd probably, it's it's probably just over the 20 mark of surgeries. I've lost count in recent years. So, um, so I was always playing sport growing up and then in and out of the hospital and then got into kiking at 14. And then luckily I, the legs held up well throughout the kiking career of the last eight years. So um, yeah, I've had a really good journey. Yeah, uh, just before we wrap this up, there's a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, one of them is you with the aviators on. But before we talk about that, what about, uh, I mean, Fletcher Armstrong is there. He's another young man that we love. So he's in the Australian K4 crew. They're a young crew. They'll really be building towards Paris in a couple of years' time. But Ella Beer from the Avoca uh, Kayak Club, she's in the front seat of the women's K4. I watched that race again yesterday. So they win a silver medal, but... They're neck and neck with Poland with about 150 to go. So they've made huge improvements, and she walks away from her first world championships, a young girl from the Central Coast with a silver medal. Yeah, uh, it took a lot of character from Ella and all the girls in that boat. Like, three out of the four girls in that crew, that was their first ever world champs. So especially Ella to be able to hold your composure at a world champs, the front of that K4 with all the pressure on. Um, yeah, fantastic achievement from all the girls. And then... Like coming, talking about Fletcher and Ella coming into Paris, we might we we have a potential five athletes coming off the Central Coast in the Paralympic Olympic team. So we could have almost a third of the team in, in Paris. So could be very big things for the Central Coast the next few years. Yeah, that is mind blowing. How how good is that? And uh, just finally, mate. So obviously you're a massive Top Gun fan. Like you're channeling your inner Tom Cruise when you're out there on the water. Gee, you look good. You look good, buddy. My dad yeah. once said to me, Dad said, son, I don't care what you do. Just look good while you do it. Yeah, I'll, I always say to the other athletes, you're not winning if you don't look good doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, the aviators started back in um, 2019. I was wearing them at World Champs, and that was my best result to that date. 
And then with Top Gun coming out this year and all the guys were growing mustaches, so me and a couple of them brought back the aviators, so just having a bit of fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was good fun, the NBN TV story yesterday too. Standing ovation for you, mate. Congratulations on bronze at the World Championships. Uh, please thank your mum as well for uh, all the information she passed on during the World Champs in Canada, and we'll catch up soon. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Dylan Littlehales, two-time Paralympian and uh, what a kid. He, he spoke last week. He was yep. a keynote speaker at the Danica Clark oh, nice. Gala Night yeah. and just smashed it. Yeah, yeah. Look, fantastic. Isn't it just amazing what he mentioned there about the number of Central Coast athletes who are actually doing such a good job now on the world stage? Like, as a developing of athletes and on, on the, in this area is, is unbelievable and getting better and better all the time. Well, I think any young athlete that jumps on a surf ski and shows any kind of promise, you'd be taking them straight down to a Voka Kayak Club uh, because, I mean, they... Gee, I, I tell you, when you think that Lockie Tame wins an Olympic medal coming out of a Voka Kayak Club, Dylan... Um, uh, sorry, not Dylan, uh, Riley Fitzsimmons. Yep. So he's a two-time Olympian, came fourth in Rio, and a little disappointing by his standards. Still top six in in Tokyo, but there's no doubt Riley will win an Olympic medal at some stage. So no. just incredible. No. Off to a break. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. We'll talk to the original Wizard of Oz in a few moments. Andy Banal is coming up on SEM. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, final break at uh, Tugra for the Walking Football Championships. And we've had a couple of standing O's today, but I reckon there's got to be another one. We, we rise as one at Tugra for Andy Bernal. The original Wizard of Oz, uh, former Socceroo, and he's just released this incredible book. In fact, is it a bestseller, Andy? And welcome to our show. It's, uh, thank you. Um, great to be here. Thank you for having me on. And uh, look, where uh, the last the last I heard out of Amazon, it was in the the top five autobiographies uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, along with Sonny Bill Williams, uh, <laughs> Jurgen Klopp, Sir Alex Ferguson, <laughs> and Stephen Gerrard. So. Uh, you know, I'm uh, in that illustrious company. It, it, it's it's a uh, it's an honour, really. So, so the book is Riding Shotgun. That's that's correct. It was uh, I took the name from uh, back in the old westerns. You, you know, the the stagecoach drivers that did have someone with a shotgun next to him, and uh, so I rode shotgun for David Beckham. Yeah. Uh, yeah. While he was in Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, and um, yeah, that's that's part of the story. Yeah. The, the autobiography. Of the original Wizard of Oz. I love the artwork as well. Yes, the artwork, uh, this year it was entered uh, in the Archibald Prize. Um, Craig Foster had one also uh, entered. Uh, we didn't win, but uh, to, to be entered in the Archibald Prize is a very special thing. Uh, an artist friend of mine, Christopher Baltoth, that lives in Sydney, created it, and he's done work for, for Jay-Z, for, he's done Michael Jordan stuff. and um, So, yeah, it, it was a, a wonderful piece of art. But the um, the book is fascinating. It, it, it tells of my um, you know my career um, through you know through Canberra as a junior and then playing for the young Socceroos, youngest ever Oli Roo captain, first Australian to play in Spain, first Australian to, to captain a, an English football club, and 
um, you know, it, it's it's one of those ones. I decided to write it for for many reasons, peace of mind, and and but also I think we as a nation, we don't do we don't do our football history well. You know, I think rugby league and union and, and, and codes like that do their history better. So, um, you know, I achieved a lot of good stuff. I had some dark times as well that I've come through and, and that hopefully can now benefit um, our younger generations. Um, but I wasn't going to let anybody erase my history. Yeah, Andy, there's, there's too much to talk about this morning. Like, I'd love to spend a, an episode or a segment on the show talking about your career and you playing in Spain, being the first to create history. But the first chapter of the book, I was flying to Bundaberg to work for the Bulldogs. They played North Queensland a couple of weeks ago in Bundaberg. I read that first chapter about Beckham arriving in Spain and I could not put it down. It is so well written. And can you give our listeners an idea of the magnitude of David Beckham? So maybe pick up the story where so he's, there's a couple of Spanish clubs that want him. Legendary clubs. The biggest clubs in the world. And suddenly you got a perfect storm. And tell us who you're working for at the time. Oh, look, I um, after football I walked into a Mayfair office, into the office of Tony Stevens, uh, SFX Sports Group, and, and they at the time managed superstars like David Beckham, Stephen Gerrard, Michael Owen, uh, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. So this was a global you know, the leading global sports management company on the planet and uh, um, I nailed a job with them. Uh, I recruited Timmy Cahill for them. That was the, the first. Uh, they put me to the test. They said, uh, you, we're chasing this kid called Timmy Cahill. Can you get him? So 24 hours later, I took Timmy into the office. Um, and part of my initial role was to, because I speak Spanish and had played there before, was to go and create relationships with, with Spanish clubs that we could then offer our clients to. And uh, I spent a year travelling around Spain and Italy and um, the perfect storm arose uh, when Beckham had his uh, little fallout with Sir Alex Ferguson and, and, and it all happened and I'd already created uh, the relationship with Real Madrid. Uh, a year earlier I'd been into Madrid and, and, and offered um, uh, the president of Real Madrid, Florentino Perez, I'd offered him Beckham, Michael Owen and Jonathan Woodgate and, and eventually all three would sign. And uh, in the middle of that perfect storm was, it was a meeting at the, at the new camp uh, with the uh, president and the board of Barcelona, uh, where they were also chasing uh, Beckham. And, um, but uh, as it happened, uh, David signed for Real Madrid, and then the lunacy and the insanity uh, that followed was just... Um, it, it, it's so difficult to actually write in a chapter. You know, it needs, needs to be a Netflix series. It needs to be a movie. You know, if you're talking about adoration and people following someone, you know, being chased by helicopters and, and vehicles and, and 100 motorbikes every day, paparazzi uh, circling and, 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 you know, chasing you on motorbikes at 200 kilometres an hour, 250k. It's like, you know, anyone that sees the Elvis movie, you know, the stuff like that. I'll tell you who plays Andy Bernal. Vince Colosimo. Can I tell you something? <laughs> a friend of mine was with Vince about a month ago. Yeah. And uh, he gave Vince my book. Yeah. So uh, I also want Vince to listen to it as I've narrated it as well, the audio book. So I'd love Vince to play me. So in that first chapter, so, okay, so David arrives and you fly into an Air Force base. I was. What, what we, happens next? We had been we had been there previously, and but on that particular day, I uh, that week I'd been into Madrid a week early, and uh, uh, Beckham and the family were arriving in the private jet um, into the private air force base, the military air force base. So posh. And, uh, yeah, posh was there. Um, the children, uh, SAS commandos. We had uh, 
ex-Fidel Castro Secret Service agents with us, so that was the security detail, and uh, the jet rolls in, and Posh and David come down the stairs, and uh, I remember Merrick McDonald, uh, the head security guard, uh, former SAS commando, SWAT, SWAT officer in the United Kingdom, he said to me, Andy, listen to everything I say, uh, and do not uh, do not deviate from what I say because people die in this business and uh, you know unfortunately sadly he was he was killed in a car bomb in Baghdad you know a year later you know those those words came back to haunt all of us um, but it, you know it was you know we we got in the cars uh, the Real Madrid members were there and, and off we went on you know we got out of the private air force base and, and onto the freeway in Madrid and, and it was madness it was cnn helicopters fox helicopters cbs spanish tv military helicopters police helicopters all fighting for the vantage point above the beckham vehicle it was just you know i'm looking around i can see his choppers i can hear all the noise and there's and there's motorbikes you know we're doing 150 k's an hour 200 k's an hour there's a motorbike by our side you know taking photographs in the window yeah and i know in that chapter you kind of compare it to Maybe what Princess Diana went through oh, during her time. One million percent. Yeah, one million percent. I actually at one point thought, you know, uh, I said to my mum in a phone call, I said, oh, Mum, this is, this is dangerous. This is exactly, you know, uh, I, feared for, I feared, you know, dying in a car crash with David Beckham. It was that intense. And mm. uh, it's eased up now. But uh, if David was here, he would tell you the same. It was just, it was insanity. You, uh, you told us off the air what the original deal was worth. Over, th- uh, over 30 mil? Oh, that, that was a transfer between clubs. Transfer. You know, but, uh, yeah, then, um, you know, he, David uh, was on the same wages as Zidane, uh, Ronaldo, uh, Roberto Carlos, Figo, all the Galacticos. So yeah. um, uh, there, was a, uh, there, there was a lot of cash yeah. flown around everywhere. Hey, uh, Andy, we need to leave it there. We're on our way toward the news, so it's riding shotgun. You've also done an audio version of this? Yes, I've, uh, I've narrated it, and uh, it's out uh, on Google Play, on, on Audible, on, on Amazon Audiobooks, so um, um, get onto it. Hey, by the way, this could be part one of, I mean, because there's so much to unpack. Uh, mate, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we've got to do a couple of quick thank yous to the Mariners for having us this morning. Thanks to Adam Staples back at headquarters. Thanks to Lockie, our technician. Guru, great to see you. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Been excellent, Andy. Thanks very much for coming. As you said, it's, it's an episode on on its own, but fantastic to be here at uh, at Tugra. Yeah, we're off to the news. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the coast on SEN.